This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, since this is the last message of 2019 and actually the first message of 2020 on Cross Hope, we're airing a standalone message on what it is we're to put out of our lives and put into our lives or on our lives. It's from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let it speak to you today and all this week on Cross Hope. I've seen black and white footage of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth, June 1953. But what I didn't find out until doing some research about it was this, that right before she was crowned the Queen of England, a woman who's called the Mistress of Robes, what a a title, the Mistress of Robes, came up and took off her diadem, Queen Elizabeth's crown as the princess, the crown of being princess of England took off a diamond necklace, took off what's called a collar, and the collar was a gold chain with diamonds and emeralds and rubies in it. It It's a beautiful, extremely valuable piece of jewelry. Removed all that, took off her crimson robe, and then put on what was called a white vestment. And then, then, after all those things were taken off, she was crowned the queen with a new crown the crown of a queen, and she was given a new robe and a new scepter. And all the old stuff was taken away, and all the new stuff was put in her life. What an analogy for the book of Ephesians 4, where the Apostle Paul says, put this stuff out of your life. Listen carefully. There's some men here today who need to put some stuff out of their lives today. Not next week, but today. And there are women here today who I'm going to read something today, and it's going to be like one of the lights in the ceiling going to come on you, and you're going to need to put it out of your life today in the name of Christ and in the power of Christ. And there are things that you need to put on in your life as well. Let's read it. It's in Ephesians in the New Testament, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 22. Putting it off is the title. Paul says you were taught in regard to your formal former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I want you to underline that if you underline in your Bible, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, because of what I've just said, therefore is a transitional statement in regards to what's just been said, in consequence of what's just been said. Therefore, here's what you do. You must put off falsehood. Lying is what it means. And speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. That's going to speak to somebody today in a profound way. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. I'm going to give you a definition of stealing today you've never heard before, perhaps. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve. You only can grieve a person. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Well, that's a lengthy passage. We're going to talk about it all this week on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. I want to talk to you today, not about changing garments for a coronation, but putting things off out of your life that need to come off today in the name and the power of Christ and putting on the new self in Christ Jesus. You see, coming to Christ is not about tweaking your life 10%. It's about becoming a new man, a new woman. Most people don't get that. Coming to Christ isn't tweaking your life. It's not a personality improvement course. It's not something to make you a little nicer, a little sweeter, a little easier to live with with your husband or wife. It's made to make you brand new in Jesus Christ. Verse 23 is the most important verse, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I find it intriguing that the Apostle Paul starts with that thought, to have a new mind. Some of you are praying for a husband to change his behavior. I'm going to ask you today to stop praying for that. Ask God to change his mind. Some of you are praying for a wife. Lord, she needs to change what she does, her behavior. I'm going to ask you to stop doing that and say, Lord, change her mind. It all starts with the thinking. Some of you are praying for a son or daughter. God, he needs to change his behavior. Lord, she needs to change her behavior starting today. God, change their mind from the inside as only you can do. But what would happen if you had a new mind in Christ today? Maybe you'd look at life a little differently because you put on the new self, verse 24, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know about you, but have you ever thought that God wants you to be like him? Pretty tall order, isn't it? But that's what it says. You and I are to put on the new self created to be like God, not in terms of our power, not in the new age sense that you, you are like a God and you have God-like powers. You have God-like character. The difference, big difference. To create it to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And then Paul makes the therefore statement that we need to get into right away. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body. This may come as a surprise to you to say this, but it's, I, I believe it to be true. There are probably husbands in this room that routinely lie to their wives. I mean, it's not a weekly thing. It's a daily thing. And it, truth be known, there are probably wives in here that routinely lie to their husbands. Not weekly, not monthly, but daily. And Paul said, this is a problem in the church. You've got to put off falsehood and speak truth. And his argument is this, for this reason, we're all members of the same body. Well, that's true in the church, and it's true in, the, in a marriage. We're one. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if one of the organs in your body decided to lie to the brain and to lie to the rest of the body and say, everything's cool, everything's fine, but there was something cancerously wrong with that organ in your body? You'd say, it wouldn't make sense because it's a part of the body. That's right. It's a part of the body, and that's why Paul says, put off lying or falsehood and speak truthfully to those around you, for we are all members of one body. 
We're going to talk about 26 for a minute. I did not plan this. It's just a coincidence. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. And I was, I've been intrigued. And everywhere I've been, every city, the most requested sermon is a sermon about anger. Nothing profound about it. Nothing particularly you know, impressive in, in the delivery or anything like that. And I asked a Christian psychologist in, in Atlanta, I said, Tim, why, why do so many people request a copy of a sermon on anger and they don't request anything else? Without even pausing, without even having to think, he said, Randy, I'll tell you why. We're all victims of somebody else's anger. And I asked a Christian psychologist in, in Atlanta, I said, Tim, why do so many people request a copy of a sermon on anger and they don't request anything else? And without even pausing, without even having to think, he said, Randy, I'll tell you why. We're all victims of somebody else's anger. Every man in this room is a victim of somebody's anger from your childhood, through your teen years, through your adulthood. Every woman in this room is a victim of somebody's anger, childhood, teen years, or even now in your own home. But we're also victim makers, he said, victimizers. Somebody else is suffering from our anger displays. And so Tim's response was, we're such a mixture of victim and victimizer, we can't tell the difference. And he said, Randy, that's why more people want a sermon tape or a CD on anger more than anything else, because we're all victims and we're all victimizers of people with our anger. And isn't it interesting? In your anger, Paul says, verse 26, do not sin. Meaning you can sin in anger or you may not sin in anger. This sermon will talk about how most of the anger in your life and in my life is self-centered. It's egocentric. People didn't jump when we said jump. We get mad. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. I'm mad. And you're like that and I'm like that. It's egocentric. People didn't fall into line. People didn't jump. It comes from a desire, according to one psychologist, to be in control, to be in charge. And when people go crossways of that, here's what happens. I get mad. And you get mad. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, meaning deal with it during the day. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, that's interesting. Did research on it. Found out it's about yielding territory. Don't raise your hand, but some of you have had a property dispute with a house that you've owned where maybe there was a dispute over where the property line went. I have in-laws that went through this, and somebody had to come out and survey it and mark the property, and one of them lost some property, and the neighbor gained it, or vice versa. I don't remember how it finally shook out. But a property dispute over, you know, five or ten feet of property. Well, when you and I give in to anger, and we have an ungodly anger in our life, you know what we do? We yield territory. We yield ground to Satan, and we give him a foothold. Clarence McCartney was a Presbyterian minister in Pittsburgh for years. He said the most insightful thing I've ever heard anybody say about anger. He says, more than any other sin, anger destroys friendships. Anger destroys peace and concord in your home. Anger incites crime and violence. Anger turns love and affection into hatred. What a statement. You know why that's so powerful? Because it's true. 
More than any other sin, anger destroys friendships. It destroys peace and concord in the home. It incites crime and violence, and it turns love and affection into hatred. And he's absolutely right. Verse 28 says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer. I love the simplicity of that. You're stealing? Stop it. Stealing at work? Stop it. Stealing from a neighbor? Stop it. He who is stealing must steal no more. I found out the word in the Greek is the word klepto. That's where we get the word kleptomaniac maniac, or kleptomania, somebody who steals constantly. Well, let me be one of the first people in 2020 to wish you a happy new year. 2020 not only is a new beginning point, a part of a new decade, it's the 38th year of broadcast of this program we now call Crosshope. We're glad you listen. Hope you will continue to listen in 2020. That's crosshope.org. Now, I find this intriguing in verse 28. If you're stealing, you're not only to steal no longer, but you're to work, do something useful with your own hands so that you can make lots of money. Is that what it says? No. Does it say you must do something useful with your own hands so that you will have a lot of money in the bank? No, it doesn't say that. So that you can have something to share with those in need. God wants me to be honest and have money so that I can share it with other people, a new concept, probably for most people today. Then verse 29 speaks to what you and I talk about. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This may be very painful, but I really mean it sincerely, and it's directed at me too. Look at what you've said the last week or the last 30 days. Did you build people up or did you tear them down? Which way did you go? Which way did you opt for? Do you either build people up, you edify people, or you tear people down? And you know where that happens the most? In a family. And people who live under the same roof in a house, we are either building one another up, edifying one another, or we are tearing them down. Decide. Choose which way it goes for you. Verse 30 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you've heard me say this before, but is not an it. Don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. He's always referred to as He, as a part of the Trinity, God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve. You can only grieve a person. And the the way to appreciate this verse is to look at it this way. Who wounded you this year with words? Who grieved you by something he or she did? Who cut you to the quick? And you said, man, I couldn't believe he said that to me. I couldn't believe she said that to me. I can't believe they had the gall to say that or to do that. That's called grieving another person. And maybe you will appreciate grieving the Holy Spirit more when you understand when someone has grieved you. I wonder sometimes, does the Lord let people grieve us so we understand that phrase, grieving the Holy Spirit? I think it's possible. I really do. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. I've already talked about some of this bitterness doesn't start out as sin, it always ends up as sin. You've heard me say it, because I believe it's true. You have a bitter attitude. It's an attitude of your spirit toward another person. It's resentment. It's just a bad feeling. 
it may not start out as sin, but sooner or later it will fester into sin. And the most telling thing about bitterness that really blows people's minds when you tell them this, but I really believe it's true, what sexual immorality does to the body, bitterness does to the soul. Some of you didn't hear that. I want to say it again. What sexual immorality does to the body, bitterness does to your soul and spirit. It's destructive, and there's a price connected with bitterness. Brawling is an interesting phrase. Anybody have a brawl, a family brawl over Christmas? Some of you would say, oh, no, we didn't. Yes, you did. You had a verbal brawl. Brawling, it means going back and forth. You throw a verbal punch, and they throw a punch back at you. And then you throw a harder punch, and they throw a harder punch. That's brawling. And it can happen psychologically. It can happen emotionally. It can happen spiritually. It can happen literally. Get rid of brawling and slander. Slander means speech that injures. Most people say, I've never committed slander because they're thinking of the legal definition in the United States of America. Slander means speech that injures. Do you know what that means? There are husbands here today. You slandered your wife this week because you injured her. It means there are wives here today. You slandered your husband because you injured him. Slander simply means speech that injures and that convicts 99 and 9 tenths of the people here, and I'm including, including myself. Interesting word also in verse 31 is the word malice. Get rid of every form of malice. Malice is ill will toward another person. Here's what malice is. You know you've got malice in your heart when you want somebody else to get bad news from the doctor. Well, I've had bad news. I want her to have some bad news from the doctor. Malice is when you want somebody else to lose their job. Malice is when you want someone else to have a problem with the son or daughter. Malice is when you want somebody else to have financial problems. It's ill will toward another person, and it's a sin, and like any other sin, it requires the forgiveness of Christ. Just look at verse 32 and close with a couple of illustrations. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul says, I am to be kind compassionate, and a forgiving attitude. Do you know what's sad about that? Those are the last three words that many of us would use to describe other people in our family. Kind, compassionate, and forgiving. And there would be some people, those would be the last three words they would use to describe us. Kind, compassionate, and forgiving. That's what Paul's admonition is. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. It all flows from the forgiveness of God. Every for, act of forgiveness comes out of His forgiveness. Don't ever, don't ever forget that. Jasmine is a college student in Louisville, Kentucky. She tells a story about her life as a student, some personal things, ethical choices she made, moral choices. She said, I made a lot of mistakes. And this college student from Louisville, Kentucky, by the name of Jasmine, in my opinion, said one of the most insightful things, even though she may not even think it was that insightful. Here's what she said, not elevating it to a biblical status, but what a powerful statement. She said, I came to the place in my life where I believed that some things 
in my life had to fall apart in order for other things to fall into place. Wow, what a statement. I don't know if it's original with her, but it's true. She said, I came to the place in my life with school failure, moral failure in her life, choices she made, that I believed things had to fall apart in my life so other things could fall into place. What needs to fall apart in your life today, last Sunday of the year, so that other things can fall into place? Is there anything in your life at all, anything at all, that in the name of Christ has to fall apart so that other things can fall into place? I'm going to ask you to do a similar thing with Ephesians 4, through 32. That you get alone today, and I really mean that, alone. Alone. It means you have to go out to the garage, you've got to go to the basement, you've got to lock yourself in a closet, wherever, and you read these out loud. And as you read them, you say, Lord, with a spiritual highlighter, call attention to what I need to get rid of in my life. And you know what? He'll do it. You don't believe me? Try it. He will do it. And then, Lord, when I read the second half, what I need to put on, ask the Lord to use a spiritual highlighter to tell me what I need to do. He'll do it. He'll do it. This could be a radical day for somebody today as you take Ephesians 4. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.